I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class. I've never even put anything in a quilt show. But I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter. I have missed you. I'm now back from Columbus, Ohio, where I was for the last couple of weeks on a business trip, and in a couple more days, I'm heading out to Hawaii. Yes, it's actually another business trip, but I'm also going to be spending a few days there on vacation with my husband afterwards as well, so I'm really looking forward to that, but a little bit more about that later. First things first, I wanted to be sure I'd be able to post a podcast to tide you over while I'm gone again. This episode is episode number 18, in which we discuss art versus craft versus hobby. And that topic might sound familiar to some of you. It has been a topic of conversation in the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup at Big Tent. And I'll tell you a little bit more about the whole Big Tent thing later, and we'll get into the content later. But first, I want to spend some time doing listener comments. Since it's been a couple of weeks, I had a whole lot of comments to go through, and I really appreciate everybody sending me emails, etc., First of all, though, thanks so much to everyone who is listening to this podcast, and particularly to those of you who are subscribers and faithfully receive every episode that I post. I don't actually know how many of you are subscribers. Um, Those numbers are really hard to come by. Even more so, even if you are a subscriber, I'm not sitting in your iPod or your computer to know if you're actually listening to the podcasts that are downloading automatically for you each week. It's sort of like that auto-response you get in Outlook. If any of you use Outlook and you've ever put a read receipt request on an email that you send, uh, check out the email you get back from Outlook when your email is actually opened by the recipient. I just for the first time read it recently, and it's really pretty funny. It says, this is not a guarantee that the recipient actually read or understood your email or something like that. It was really too funny when I noticed that someone at Microsoft has a sense of humor. Anyway, I digress. I have noticed that my episode hits number has gone up over the last month or so, which gives me nice warm fuzzies. But what gives me even warmer fuzzies, or would that be warm fuzziers, is those of you who listened to my plea to throw me a quilted lifeline while I was out of town on business for these last couple of weeks, and you commented on the episode or on my blog or you sent me emails. Thank you so much. Some of you even sent quilty pictures. I loved them. Thank you. To respond specifically, Chris thought my doofus dog was cute, and that's always a way to get into my heart. Thanks, Chris. He is dang cute. Sadly, his tail doesn't play well with the coffee table in our family room, and we had a bit of a panic moment over a not-quite-empty pop can that one of the kids had left there last night, but we were already planning on having the carpets done this summer anyway. Doofus dog. Uh, Jay mentioned that she might have the scrap master ruler and would be willing to let me borrow it if I wanted to try it out. Uh, By the way, Jay, the words might have are a dead giveaway that perhaps you need to attend to your ruler drawer and clean it out. (laughs) I have several specialty rulers and gadgets that I might have because my drawer is too crammed full to know for sure one way or the other whether I've got it or not. Hence, the use it or lose it challenge that I referenced in that particular blog entry upon which you were commenting. In any case, due to that aforementioned over-crammed specialty ruler drawer, 
I probably won't be asking to borrow your scrap master ruler. Frankly, I'd be afraid that it would seek solace in the company of my own rulers in that crammed drawer, and it would disappear never to be found again. Uh, but definitely, please do send in your review of it. I really am curious how well it works. Is it useful? Is it worth the money? Uh, for the rest of you, Jay suggested that it might be fun to have a ruler lending library so that we could try them out before buying, and that is a fantastic idea. Those of you who belong to guilds might want to make that suggestion. Jay also asked in a comment on a blog entry in which I referenced finishing UFOs what I meant by finishing UFOs. Basically, she was asking what constituted a UFO. And I'm thinking maybe I should do an episode on this whole topic at some point, since really the better part of the last two years I've spent working on UFOs, mine or my mother's. Uh, But the short answer is, different people define what is a UFO differently. For the purpose of our Guild's UFO Challenge, which I co-officiate, we defined a UFO as anything that you had already cut into prior to the start of the challenge. And yeah, I know, some of those might more appropriately be termed a WIP, or a work in progress, WIP, if they were only very recently cut into. But our guild, as it tends to do, decided to be a little loosey-goosey with our definition, since our priority was simply really to motivate people to actually get things done. And really, our guild isn't big on having too many rules anyway. Loosey-goosey is our favorite way of being, which is why I love it. In any case, um, for my situation, pretty much all of the UFOs that I had put on my challenge list ranged from projects that only needed a binding and label to piece tops that needed the whole quilting phase done as well. I might have one project on my list that needs some actual piecing um, to progress it along the journey, but most of my UFOs were pretty far along the way already. Other folks in the challenge had projects that needed a lot more work done, and one person had a couple of fleece blankets on their list that only needed a hem and a label on them. So you see evidence here of the aforementioned loosey-goosiness. We do, however, require a label to be on there to be considered finished. Um, It can be a full-out quilted label, or it can just be writing on the back of it in a sharpie your name and the date. We don't really define what a label is, but we just want to make sure there's a label on there. Um, Particularly, I'm really big on labels these days, and I'm definitely doing an episode on that soon. Um, Anyway, if y'all are interested, I can post the rules to our guild's UFO challenge, um, which actually are somewhat entertaining to read anyway, on my blog. So let me know if you'd like to see that, and I'd be happy to oblige. Thanks to Kathy in Michigan, Tammy, Francis, Kim, Debbie, Denise and PA, Anna and Doki for commenting on my blog under various entries. And by the way, my dog seems to be quite popular. I'll have to post a picture of my other dog just so she can get her share of the limelight and doesn't get jealous because she can do that. By the way, Doki affirmed my enthusiasm about Sharon Craig and her ideas for settings. And Anna, no, I didn't raid your stash. It just shows we both have great taste in fabric. Several folks also posted comments on the show notes for various episodes. We seem to have picked up a lot of new listeners lately, which I want to give a big shout out to new listeners. Woohoo! Uh, so some folks are backtracking, and therefore I'm still getting comments on older episodes, which is great fun, but I sometimes have to rack my brain to remember what I said when. Thanks to Lauren in Arkansas. Glad I inspired you to get organized. I think that was episode five. I need to actually attend to my own sewing area again. It's gotten a bit haphazard these last few weeks with all my comings and goings. Um, So I've got a couple more days before I scoot out again. I'm hoping to spend a little free time um, so that I can reorganize so that once I'm back home in August, I can get right down to business because I am falling behind in some of my quilt projects. 
Lauren also commented on the last episode um, that I posted in which I saved a quilt from almost certain destruction to say that she had a similar experience with a quilt that she made and she now keeps that quilt on her bed to remind her of the power of persistence. Lauren also speaks quite highly of Sharon Craig and her Setting Solutions book, so that's three votes for Sharon Craig. Jill appreciated the interview I did with long-arm quilter Tara Tom in episode 16. Thanks so much, Jill, and I will pass your good words along to Tara. The aforementioned Jay also commented on a couple of different episodes and made a recommendation that I want to make sure I pass along to the rest of you. She highly recommends Pat Sloan's book on color entitled Taking the Fear Out of Color. Jay has a review of this book on her own blog and left the link in her comment, so go to my show blog and check out the comments to episode 11 in which we get colorful to grab that link from Jay. Her review is quite good, so please make sure you read it. I would post it again in the show notes of this episode, but again, only have a couple days in town, very limited time. I'm really trying to streamline what I'm getting done this week. All right, I got another couple of entries in the You Know Your Quilter Win category. From Mary, you know you are a quilter when your husband helps you plan quilt store stops while on your vacations or short getaways. What a great guy, she says. And I agree. Great guy. And from Lauren, you know you're a quilter when you drive 800 miles to spend a week quilting with a friend. Lauren, I'm sorry that I couldn't be that friend. I'd love to spend a week quilting with someone. That would be a lot of fun. Thanks so much to Mary and Lauren, and keep them coming. Remember, if you just go to the um, show notes, you'll see a tab for a page entitled You're a Quilter, I think is what I had to rename it. Um, And just click on that, and you can leave your own comments about your own completion of the sentence, You Know You're a Quilter When. Um, I got a lot of emails while I was gone. Thanks so much again. Again, I loved them. Lynn, get the light, get the light, get the light. Lynn asked how I felt about my bendable bright light. I'd mentioned in a Big Tent discussion that I'd recently purchased it. Personally, I love it. It's made a huge difference. I also love that it's bendy. Anything bendy, by definition, is fun. But in this case, it's also really handy. I usually keep it aimed right at my needle, of course. But once in a while, I found it really helpful to kind of just twist it out to the side of my machine while and use it while doing seam ripping or something that really needed that direct bright light. The Benable Bright Light typically retails for around 50 bucks, so it does seem a little expensive. But I actually got mine um, for something more like $35, I think. I don't remember where I bought it now. It was... Oh, several weeks ago, probably a couple of months ago that I bought mine. Um, but when I went to, when I decided to buy it, I just Googled it to see what prices came up and went for the best one. So keep your eye out or use coupons or whatever you can do. You can definitely get it for less than $50. Um, but in my opinion, it is worth the expense. So check it out. Bendable Bright Light, I think is what it's called. Jennifer emailed me in response to my episodes on scraps, and she sent pictures, yay, pictures, of scrap quilts that she's made, and they are gorgeous. As soon as I get this podcast posted, I'm going to work on updating my blog, and I will be posting her pictures. It just might take me a while to get to it. Um, Keep an eye out for them. Great job, Jennifer. They really are beautiful, and I'm looking forward to sharing those photos with the rest of the listener crew to the Quilting for the Rest of Us podcast. Um, And we're up to vote four now on Sharon Craig Conversation with an email that I got from Kay. Kay says that Sharon Craig's Setting Solutions book saved three of her quilts over the last few years. So maybe that actually makes Kay's email three more votes for Sharon Craig's book. 
Kay actually even more highly recommends Sharon Craig's book, Great Sets, which I think I also own. I think I inherited that one from my mom as well, but I haven't referenced it as much as the other one yet. But now, after reading Kay's email, I'm definitely going to be pulling it off my shelf to go through it again. Kay suggests that Great Sets is more user-friendly, especially for the novice quilter, and Kay says she actually uses it more often than the other book for its basic instructions, which she feels are a little bit more clear than in the Setting Solutions book. Um, So I will post a link to Great Sets in the show notes. Okay, so this next one isn't technically a response to a comment on my blog or show notes, but rather it's a response to a response to a comment I left on someone else's blog. Clear? Those of you who are now subscribed to my newsletter will have seen the article on that I entitled Quilt Blogs I'm Reading, in which for this um, most recent newsletter uh, art, I want to call it an episode, no, that's the podcast, um, for the most recent newsletter edition, I highlighted three quilty blogs of listeners to this podcast, which, by the way, is why I asked that question on the subscription form to the newsletter. I do ask you to give your blog as well, because I love reading your blogs, and I want to know what they are. Anyway, one of the blogs I listed there was Marumos, or Marumos, I'm sorry, I don't really know how to pronounce your name, and I'm sure I'm doing it way wrong, I apologize. Um, I've been following her blog for a little while now, And she had a blog entry on July 4th with some photos of a couple of projects she'd finished that were um, little Americana projects. They were done in kind of country colors, red, white, and blue. And they're very simple, but they are very, very cute. Uh, Plus, she executed them very nicely. And I told her, my comment on her blog entry was that I might borrow her ideas for myself, So, since at the moment I'm a little short on Americana quilts to display at appropriate holidays. Um, And she gave me permission to borrow as I wanted to. So I would suggest that you all hop on over to her blog, Merumo, M-E-R-U-M-O. Again, I'm sorry, I know I'm mispronouncing that. Um, But check out her blog to look at pictures of her very cute Americana projects. And again, she's posted several times since then, but the ones I'm referring to now are on the July 4th entry. I also heard from Heather, who asked me some great questions that I'm still pondering and will most likely work their way out in a future podcast episode, so I'm not going to say any more than that now. Yet, to the rest of you, you're just going to have to be left wondering, and thank you, Heather, for your questions. You have given me um, some wonderful concepts to toy with for a future episode. And Anne emailed me to let me know how much she liked the new newsletter. Thanks, Anne! And that's not only really good to know, but it's a great segue for me into talking a little bit about the newsletter. Thank you so much to everybody who has already subscribed. Appreciate it. I sent out that first issue, the July issue, um, a few days ago. I think I might have sent it out Friday afternoon. I am still getting new subscribers, but to anybody who has subscribed since I sent that issue out, I had to quickly decide, rather than trying to backtrack and keep sending out the July issue to people as they subscribe now, I'm just going to have to wait and pick all of you up at the August newsletter, and I'm really sorry about making you wait. But, as they say, anticipation, half the fun. At some point when I actually have spare time again, <clears throat> ahem, if that happens, I may look into posting past issues of the newsletter as PDF somewhere, but at the moment... You're just going to have to live with my lack of spare time, and I apologize for that. Um, But the newsletter, the August edition, will come out sometime in the middle of August, so you can look forward to that. A couple of things about the newsletter, by the way, now that I've sent out my first one. I can see that a small number of folks are still being listed as unopened, which could just mean you're out and about and having fun in the summer sun and not wallowing in your office pallor reading email newsletters at your computer. 
on the other hand, it could also mean that it just got sent to your junk mail and you have and you haven't seen it yet, although that shouldn't happen with the way this is set up. So if you subscribe to the newsletter and don't see it in your inbox, check your junk mail filter first. If it's not there, email me. It's possible that your email address has a typo in it or something, and I want to make sure you get it. So hopefully you have all gotten it. Also, I am able to test the newsletter in a wide variety of email servers before sending it out, thanks to this fun little add-on. You can get to the this particular program that I'm using. And it looks like it was really supposed to in the vast majority of them. However, if you use Outlook 2007, not 2003, but Outlook 2007, AOL version 9 or Lotus, it might have looked a little odd. For some reason, in those servers, it's a two-column newsletter left and right, and the way it's designed, the left-hand column is the wider of the two columns, and the right-hand column is quite narrow. In Outlook 2007, AOL 9, or Lotus, for some reason, it makes the right-hand column really wide and the left-hand column very narrow, which really knocks all the formatting awry. So I'm sorry to all of you. I hope you could still read it. I don't actually really know how to fix that right now. If I have a little more time in the future, I'll see if I can do some sort of adjustment to the design so it looks better in everybody's email. Um, For other folks, the basic layout was always fine, but in some servers, the font's a little bit smaller than in others. Um, To be honest, I'll never be able to hit on a format that's perfect for everybody, but I will keep poking away at it um, so I can see if I can get close. But if all else fails, you can choose to receive it as text only. There's also a little button on the top that shows up that you can view it on the web or something like that. Um, So you've got some other options there. But hopefully, those of you who are getting it are enjoying it. And uh, I will have one again in the middle of uh, August. By the way, if you recall, when I first launched um, the subscription process for this, I said I was going to do a drawing uh, fat quarters um, for the first 25 subscribers and we had the first 25 subscribers within about two days I think of me posting that podcast so it went fast and Susan from Dubai Dubai that's like the Dubai D-U-B-A-I uh, won that fat quarter drawing and I just love the international thing that is just so freaking cool so anyway <laughs> congratulations Susan I have put it in the mail um, and you should have it as soon as you show up at your sister's in the States and can pick it up. Susan was nice enough not to make me have to mail it internationally because that probably would have taken about six months to get to her. Um, Anyway, that was a lot of fun, and I will probably have another drawing of some sort in August. Um, But meanwhile, remember that the Summer Creativity Challenge is still going on, and Um, There will be a drawing of fat quarters for anybody who sends me a finished product by the deadline. So make sure you're checking out um, the information about the Creativity Challenge on the show notes. Okay, update about Sandy's life. Again, been on the road, not much happening in the quilting. Um, I have done, oh, about an hour's worth of work on the binding for the charity quilt that I'm working on currently. Um, I might actually get that binding done before I skip town again, not sure. For some reason, I'm just not motivated. Uh, Partly, I come back from these business trips exhausted, so it took me a couple of days to even want to face anything, especially anything sharp and pointy uh, for fear of mortal injury. But I finally got myself together enough to work on it a little bit last night, and I'm planning on working on it a little bit again tonight. Um, It's good TV viewing kind of work, so that's about the only actual quilting I've done. However, I did spend some time on the computer, finally got something done that I've been wanting to get done for a long time. 
you finally have only webs one website address to remember. Just go to www.quiltingfortherestofus.com and that will actually bring you to the show notes for this podcast. You no longer have to do the quilter.podbean.com thing, although if you've got that linked into your favorites, it still works. Don't worry about it. But if you're looking for something to remember, just remember the name of this podcast and go to www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. And at that site, you will find the show notes for this episode. You will find on the other tabs information about the Summer Creativity Challenge. You'll find our listing of um, quilt shops that I have gone to and that others are recommending. And you will find the You Know Your Quilter When page. You will also find links to my uh, blogger account my quilting for the rest of us blogspot.com uh, is also linked to the quilting for the rest of us.com uh, not the actual blog doesn't show up but a link to the blog does I still haven't been able to figure out how to import that um, and you will also find links to my Twitter account and my email all on that one page so just remember www.quiltingfortherestofus.com by the way quilting for the rest of us no ellipses or anything just all crammed together as one big word and you'll get everything you need. So that was cool. Took me a little bit of time. It's about time to get it done, but it's finally done. Remember, www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. The other thing that actually I'd done before I left, but it got posted while I was gone, is I am this month's featured guest blogger on quiltgallery.com. So if you go to quiltgallery.com and um, look for their link to guest bloggers you will see me there and my blog is all about how I grew in my understanding of myself as a quilter so it it was a really um, fun piece to write it includes some pictures one of my mom and um, some other quilts and uh, it's just if you're interested in and how why I always start my podcast actually saying hi i'm sandy i'm a quilter there's a reason behind that and that blog um, does mention that so again it's on quiltgallery.com i believe i posted a link maybe directly to the blog itself from my own blog at um, quiltingfortherestofus.blogspot.com so you can get it a couple of different ways Um, i also spent a little bit of time while i was completely brain dead this weekend but wanted to do something quilty Uh, a friend of mine sent me a link to mccall's quilting quilt design star challenge and the funny thing is i had actually been catching up on my tv watching because we have a digital you know video recorder so my family recorded all my favorite shows for me while i was gone and while i was recuperating from my trip i was just catching up on all of those and admittedly i like watching things like the next food network star and the next design star those kinds of things and i had been thinking wouldn't it be a hoot to have some sort of quilt design star show and then i get this link and mccall's quilting is doing a quilt design star so if you go to mccallsquilting.com there is a link right on that page to the quilt design star and you can go through and look at they have i think 147 uh, quilters have submitted entries and you can go through and vote on which you think should be the next quilt design star and that's just the first phase it sounds like from there they're going to then choose maybe the top 15 finalists or something like that and then they're actually going to have challenges and each time you get to vote on them so go to the site it's it's fun if you know if nothing else it's a great way to see some fun quilts again 147 of them um so that's kind of what i spent my weekend doing and i encourage you to do it as well I am 
as I've mentioned before, heading out of town again at the end of this week, so I will not be posting an episode again next week. However, I will have one posted at the end of the first week of August, so be ready for that. Okay, so on to episode 18, in which we discuss art versus craft versus hobby. As I mentioned at the um, beginning of this episode, back in May, I posted a question to the Big Tent Quilting for the Rest of Us group that is still actually generating conversation. It generated a lot of conversation when I first posted it, which I think was like in the middle of May or something. And then the conversation sort of died off, and then suddenly it's had a resurgence, so there's a lot more going on again. And I had said earlier in that um, conversation that I would eventually turn this into an episode, and I decided to do that this week to give you all something to think about and ponder on while I'm gone. And you are welcome to continue the conversation. If you hadn't already found it in Big Tent, after you listen to this episode, go ahead and and put in your two cents as well. well. Um, The first question I asked was this. Here's a curiosity. When you think of your quilting, Do you think of it as art, craft, or hobby? I emphasize yours, because sometimes we separate how we think of others' quilting, especially the experts, differently than the way we think of our own. I want to know how you think of your own quilting. Is there a difference between art, craft, and hobby? I found myself reacting to someone referring to my quilting as a hobby, and I'm still trying to dissect why. Obviously, I have mental definitions of those words, but I'm still trying to sort out what those definitions are. I'm curious if I'm the only one with this issue, lol. Okay, so that was my original question. And, boy, I had no idea what a response that question would generate. It's been a really interesting conversation. Lots of folks have um, chimed in with comments about how they view their own quilting, where they think the separation comes between what could be considered hobby, craft, art, and so forth. So when I decided this week it was time to summarize the conversation for this episode, I thought about, you know, just reading everybody's comments, and then I decided, no, you can, you really should go and read them yourself so that you're inclined to make your own response. So I decided to just kind of summarize and then share a little bit more about how the conversation has had impact on how my uh, what my own response is now to that question. Um, and it really seems to come down to two things. One, how you define each of those words, and two how you personally engage with your own fabric. Here's the thing. We tend to think of language as a static thing. You know, that happens in school when we're all taught, oh, this is the definition for that word. We all talk and behave as if each word has a single definition, or even, you know, we might allow for a few nuances of meaning, but they're they're the ones captured in a dictionary. So when I use the word art or craft or hobby in a conversation with you, you and I might both think we have the same definition of that word in our heads, but the reality is actually entirely different. Language is an extremely organic thing. Dictionary definitions change over time. Otherwise, those of us who are living in the United States would still be using the 1806 edition of Daniel Webster's original dictionary. Newsflash, all those punctuation and grammar rules that you learned in elementary school, most likely different now. Part of my job is editing, and I work with a lot of copy editors, and occasionally my copy editor will email me that comma rules have shifted a bit, or that the most recent version of the Chicago Manual of Style has adjusted its listing for bullet point lists, or whatever. It changes. That's the reality. As humans use language, humans change language. And that is just super cool. I've mentioned in past episodes how much I really love language and how close I came to going into linguistics when I was in college. I I didn't, 
but that's still a fascination that remains with me. I just think the nature of language and how it reflects our culture, our society, and even our own personal histories is such a, you know, freakish, freakishly intensely fascinating thing. And, you know, I really could go on forever about that. But to pull it back to quilting, because that's the topic of this podcast, as I was reading everyone's responses to my original question, and as I was feeling and experiencing my own gut responses to their comments, I realized that so much of it comes down to your own personal definition of those words, art, craft, and hobby. In one of my own comments in the conversation, I said that I had a visceral negative reaction once when someone referred to my quilting as a hobby. It is so not a hobby for me. But when I said that, others reacted negatively, very politely, because we're all very polite in that group. It's a wonderful thing. We're pretty nice to each other. But it was negative nonetheless to my comments about this is not a hobby for me because they felt I was putting down the word hobby and they, and you know, by suggesting it couldn't be applied to my quilting. For some folks, the word hobby doesn't have the same connotation, the same nuance as it does to me. They're quite happy to apply the word hobby to their quilting. You know, here's the thing. The dictionary definition of the word hobby is pretty neutral and it certainly could be applied to what I do with fabric and thread. But in my head, in the way I live language, the word hobby doesn't apply at all. And that's, as I've thought about it, that's because I have such strong connections from my childhood with the way the word hobby was used. I used to collect rocks when I was little. I had a fairly sizable rock collection by some accounts, probably pretty impressive. And since my family had a cottage up on Lake Ontario with a typical Lake Ontario rock beach, I had ready access to all sorts of rocks to add to my collection all summer long. Now, Lake Ontario beach rocks, at least in the section of Lake Ontario that we were, those rocks are all pretty much of a type. I don't remember enough of my high school and college geology to tell you what kind of rock they are, but the vast majority of them are gray, mostly the size of a baseball and smaller, and pretty consistently, you know, rounded edges from being washed up by the waves. If you're lucky, it might have some fossilized shells in it, maybe be a little sparkly on the inside when you split it, but still not a ton of variety from one rock to the next. And, if truth be told, I wasn't particularly discriminating in my rock collection. The ones I chose for my collection might have had some sort of vaguely interesting shape, but mostly I picked up rocks to carry around in my pockets, because I was seven, and that's what seven-year-olds do. Heaven forbid my mom suggest I might have enough rocks, I would insist that that particular rock had to be added to my collection, even though I couldn't tell her why. Because I was seven, and that's what seven-year-olds do. And the number of well-meaning older folks who said to seven-year-old me, You collect rocks? What a wonderful hobby for you! Forever after ruined the meaning of the word hobby for me. Hobby, to me, now means meaningless little pastime that requires no real skill or knowledge to be successful. Hobby, to me, is now defined as just something you do to while away the hours on a boring summer day, but would easily be traded in for something more interesting if it comes along. Again, I know that's not the dictionary definition of the word, and I know there are many quilters who consider quilting a hobby and are obviously quite skilled and knowledgeable at it. I'm just saying that, for me, 
the reason I have a visceral negative reaction to applying the word hobby to my passion for quilting is because, for me, language being an organic and deeply personal thing, rock collecting is a far cry from quilting and the twain shall never meet. On the flip side, I'm not entirely sure whether I'd term my quilting an art or a craft either. I just really can't decide how I define those terms. Craft, again because of my childhood, and a grandmother who did, oh shall we say, unusual and slightly disturbing things with yarn and plastic milk jugs. Um, There was the memorable Christmas of my sisters and I all getting knitted beanie caps in neon colors with plastic visors that we did our best to pretend to be happy to receive, but quickly stashed in the bottom of a drawer as soon as she left after the holidays. Sorry, Grandma. My definition of the word craft is quite unfairly skewed as well. I know lots of fine folks who call themselves crafters, and I'm usually quite impressed with the beautiful pieces they turn out, nary a bright orange beanie cap with milk jug visor amongst them. And yet, craft denotes for me personally my brief period as a teenager that I glued walnut halves together to make little owls, or my short foray as a grad student into painting terracotta pots. These were little projects that were individual, lasted a very short time, got thrown out shortly thereafter, and didn't consume my every waking thought. Um, Very different, notably, from my approach to quilting. I know, again, this doesn't match the dictionary definition of the word craft, but it's the one that lives in my personal Sandy Dictionary, and I can't entirely walk away from that. It's another perfectly good word with all sorts of useful and beautiful definitions ruined for me by my childhood. (laughs) Sorry about that, all you crafters out there. I... This is just my own personal sense of the word craft. It's not at all a judgment on what you are or what you do. I really admire your work. There are some real true artisans out there among the crafting community. Okay, but then there's the word art. Am I comfortable calling my quilting art? Well, I wasn't to start with, not when I first posted that question, but actually I'm starting to think I'm getting there. And the conversation in Big Tent has moved me along in that journey. But here's the problem with that. Here's the stopper to why I couldn't do this at first and why I still struggle with it a little bit. In the quilting world, the word art immediately brings to mind a very definite style of quilting. Although I've dabbled with art quilt techniques, I would not call myself an art quilter. That being said, I also wouldn't call myself a traditional quilter. Nor would I call myself a modern quilter. Basically, I go with Cole Porter on this one. Don't fence me in. I dabble in all genres at some time or another, and most times I actually combine several elements of them in what I do all at one time. Categories can be handy, but they can also be extremely limiting. I guess I would fall happily into the category named eclectic. But what I've discovered for me is that there's a difference between calling my quilting art and calling it an art. When I name something art, I tend to imagine it hanging on a wall and making people think about the complexities of life. In the art world, sometimes it seems like the assumption is that if you can easily understand something, that makes it bad art. True art is supposed to be profound enough to be completely incomprehensible to the masses. Sorry, my plebeian side is showing. I'll I'll get over that. So basically, I'm not completely comfortable calling my quilting art. However, and here's another wonderful thing about language, that sometimes just adding one small little two-letter word can make a world of difference. When I name something an art, it becomes a process rather than a finished object. 
By calling my quilting an art, I would be identifying it as a process by which I express my creative side through fabric and thread. That doesn't necessarily mean that the finished product has to have some sort of deeper meaning or be incomprehensible to the masses. It doesn't have to be art or an art quilt. It also doesn't necessarily mean to me that I have to have designed my own pattern or used embellishments or non-traditional techniques or I need to have done it for myself versus selling it or that I need to have done it for utility versus decoration. And those were all um, things that got tossed around in the conversation about art versus craft versus hobby in the Big Tent discussion. Um, to me, the art of quilting, in my opinion, is simply approaching quilting with an appreciation for the sensory tactile nature of working with fabrics and colors, which is an important part of it with me. I love the feel of the fabrics. I love the visual nature of it. I love the smell of the fabric, everything about it. That's part of it becoming an art for me. That's an appreciation for the sensory part of quilting. Also, the art of quilting um, includes a desire to improve one's skills and knowledge to match one's fabric hopes and dreams, and a complete joy in the journey. I feel like I can wear that definition really comfortably. So for me personally, my quilting isn't a hobby, nor is it craft, nor is it art. But quilting the verb is an art, the noun, that denotes a process. So here's my attempt at at summarizing my personal view on a great conversation. Um, The conversation is great. Everybody makes really wonderful points. So I leave you with this. How do you view your own quilting? Do you consider it a hobby, a craft, an art? Why or why not? What definitions of each of those words do you carry around in your personal dictionaries? What positive or negative connotations of each of those words live in your head because of the way those words have been used in your presence through the years? Do you find yourself trying to draw lines for when quilting may move from one category to another? What are those lines? Why do you draw them where you do? A reminder, there's no right answer, at least in my opinion, there's no right answer. From my perspective, again, language can be such a deeply personal thing that it would be very difficult for me to look at what you do and say, oh, what you do is definitely a hobby. Wait, what? You do what? Oh, well, that's definitely a craft. Oops, don't look now, but suddenly you're doing art. You know, in my opinion, only you can define that for yourself based on how you live each of those words. So, Those are some big thoughts for you to ponder while I wander away to a place I've never been before. I'm really looking forward to going to Hawaii this week because I love traveling. Hate being on an airplane. Love once I get there. (laughs) I just have to say that. Hate airlines. Hate airplanes. They've gotten worse. Don't like living on Dramamine. Um, But anyway, I, I love traveling. I love seeing new places. I love getting to know different people and different cultures. And yes, learning new words. Um, but I'm also looking forward to a little exposure to that beautiful Hawaiian quilting. I strongly suspect whatever episode I post when I get back, I will be probably talking about that. If you've got thoughts about this episode, Art versus Craft versus Hobby, you can always leave them on the show notes at quiltingfortherestofus.com. But if you're not already part of the conversation in Big Tent, I'd really strongly encourage you to check it out. It is a great conversation. And this episode in which I share my reflections on it is certainly not the period at the end of the sentence. Um, It's more of a comma 
or a semicolon, or maybe an ellipsis, or a dash, I don't know, um, whatever it is that says to you, this needs to be continued. I really hope um, to be reading some more of your comments soon. Remember that you can subscribe to the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup through the link at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. I love saying that. Look for the word links in the menu on the right-hand side. You'll subscribe first to the Quiltcast Supergroup, and then once you're in that, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. You'll also find a link to subscribe to the new monthly newsletter in the same place. Just go to www.quiltingfortherestofus.com and look for links in the menu on the right where it says subscribe to the newsletter or something like that. I'm not looking at it right now. There's also a link to my Quilting for the Rest of Us blog at Blogspot um, and the QuiltingfortheRestOfUs.com site as well, as well as links to my email address and my Twitter account. All of that can be found one-stop shopping at www.QuiltingfortheRestOfUs.com. Remember, you can always email me at SandyQuilts at gmail.com, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z, or follow me on Twitter so I can follow you, Sandy Quilts. Don't forget the Summer Creativity Challenge. I just heard from someone else who has decided to play along, so lots of folks are on board this time. So, until I get back from far-flung places and can talk to you again, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. 